Hey, welcome to Optimize Your Body with Martin Silva, where we talk raw, uncut facts to truly help you optimize your body. So I have a, a very, a very interesting guest uh, here today, folks, and goes by the name of Liam O'Brien. And yeah, so he experienced the earthquake, unfortunately, out in the big earthquake out in Indonesia uh, a few months back. Is that right, Liam? Yeah, it was a few weeks ago, actually. Okay. Uh, what About was the a month, and a, a month and a half? And what? What? Sorry. What were the dates again? When was it? It was. So the seven point zero earthquake hit uh, Lombok on the fifth of August. Fifth of August, seven point zero. So that's pretty high. Yeah, ma- correct. Magnitude. So yeah, if you could just talk myself and the listeners through, like maybe a little bit of the experience and exactly what happened out there, that'd be great, mate. Sure. I was on a holiday over in Bali uh, for a few weeks and decided to take off on my own to go over to Gili Island, to Gili Trawagan, just to check the place out, have a few days to myself, just to gather my head. Uh, I basically travelled from Bali over to Lombok, uh, took me a day to arrive. I arrived at Gili Trawagan in the afternoon. I checked in, sat down, had about two beers at the pub, went home to have a shower in my bungalow when the 7.0 earthquake hit. So I've never been through an earthquake before, and I was actually in the shower when the earthquake struck. So the feeling basically threw me off my feet and into the side of the wall, um, and it took me a few seconds to try and gather exactly what was happening. I started to see the side of the concrete bathroom peeling off the actual bungalow that I was in. So I jumped from the bathroom into the bungalow and then ran downstairs to basically figure out complete chaos people are running everywhere at this stage i've realized that there's been an earthquake or something like that um there were buildings that had fallen down there were power lines down there was you know uh, sewage plumbing water stuff like that it was just pretty chaotic mate so um i was on my own so i ran back inside and i got changed and grabbed my pack which had a battery a battery charger uh, some clothes some basic first aid that i could find And then I just made my way for high ground. Uh, So at this stage, there's just people running everywhere and it was complete chaos, Mm. which led me to just try and run through the alleyways of Gili Truagan. Anybody who's been there before will understand how it's geographically set off the actual beach strip with a series of small laneways and alleyways. Uh, So I made my way through there running um, as quick as I could. I actually ran past a pack of animals. There was a few goats and a couple of dogs that were running in a different cross-section. So I turned and started following those animals, which led me out to an open clearing at the base of a mountain. So at this stage, I've basically started running up this mountain. Um, There was a couple of hundred people ahead of me. Everyone was screaming. Nobody really knew quite what was going on. Uh, I've then, during that process, just started calling out for anybody that could speak English, anybody that was from Australia, just anybody to sort of team up with being on my own. Uh, was something that was pretty shaky in that respect, pardon the pun. Uh, so I sort of made my way to a, a high ground clearing point uh, where I started to find other Australians and English-speaking people to stick with. Um, that's when I've met Tom and Tim as well from uh, Coogee, who you know. So we've then kept moving up the mountain trying to find clear ground. Um, before the sun came up the next day, there'd been, uh, I think it was something like, 10 seismic activities and three 250 aftershocks or something like that. So 
the ground just didn't stop shaking. It came to a point where you stopped, you lost count of how many times, you know, everything started shaking and coming apart. So, geez. Yeah, that sounds like yeah. one hell of an experience. I mean, um, what was the feeling like then, Liam, when you, I mean, did you have, because that is literally like a survival instinct kind of moment, right? So, Correct. I mean, what, what was that feeling like when you were running, literally running for your life then? I mean, that sounds pretty horrific, man. It was pretty scary, mate. It was, uh, it was pretty confronting, put it that, mm. to put it that way. So uh, yeah. I was quite fortunate to have uh, my, one of my best friends living in Bali and my roommate back in Sydney. I was in quick contact with these guys who were on their laptops online looking up whatever information they could find to actually relay back to me, which gave me a little bit more um, information within the moment because at this stage everyone was just running everywhere. There was no overall management plan or reaction everyone was still trying to come to terms with exactly what was going on hmm. uh there were people scaling trees crying screaming wailing um you know the images that you see of a mountainside with people trying to scramble to whatever highest ground they can it's yeah it's, it's pretty sort of make or break moments hmm. uh so i just basically realized that i need to stick with some people uh, that i can get through this experience with and you know the stronger that we all are the, the more chances that we've got of getting through this so it was something that I just knew I needed to keep my cool and I needed to try and keep as composed as possible mm. uh, because once I lost it, then that's when all logic would go out the window. Absolutely. So, yeah, as we set off here, I mean, we're not, we're not trying to, you know, preach, like you said, like some sort of hero uh, podcast. It's literally the, the, the main reason behind uh, this podcast is to try and raise awareness for the people who weren't as fortunate. For example, the, uh, the Indonesians and the people that are really, really suffering out there. So could you explain to us um, what you're doing right now? Because it's really inspiring, mate, what you're doing, because you're actually putting your time and energy now and your experience into helping the people who, I, I'm not sure the full story behind it, that doesn't sound like they have shelter and stuff, people who are still, don't have a home out there. And, um, you know, we don't really see this kind of stuff on the news and whatnot. So, you know, if you can give us a bit of a, bit of a background into the kind of stuff you're doing now to, to help raise awareness and, and the situation that the, the victims are in. Sure, sure, of course. So that night, uh, there was about 20 of us that made a pact that night on the mountain that if we actually got through um, to sunrise and got off the island, then we'd do something collectively as a group to give back. So I've then, it's taken me a, a day and a half to get evacuated back over to Bali I've then basically landed in Bali. Uh, I've then met back up with my friend that lives there. So I had a sense of security. Uh, I've then started, there were certain people that I'd met along the way that had reached out to me. Um, apparently one of the beacons that I set off on my phone was the, one of the first notifications for the impact on Gili Trawagan. So I had a fair few people I didn't know contacting me. I had media companies. I had things like that contacting me, trying to get, obviously get some updated coverage on the situation. So... To, to sort of go through it and, and come out of it the other side, I'm so lucky to be at home. However, there are still 400,000 people displaced. Over 600 people have lost their lives uh, from these series of quakes and landslides and things like that. So the thing that sort of hits home to me is that once this falls out of the news, nobody knows about it or very limited people still know about it. So Bali, Lombok, these kind of destinations are very popular places for Australians. So... It's not to be deterred to travel. It's more so to be prepared and be aware that things can happen when you're on holidays, traveling in situations, how to be prepared, 
how to be able to handle a situation if something was to occur. But also off the back of this coming home, it made me realise just how how much we can make a difference. You know, everybody's sort of always so quick to offer help and sometimes that help can become a little bit confusing or sort of you can sort of get a little bit lost through that process. So I got back just knowing that I needed to help. Uh, I was very shaken up. I hadn't slept uh, properly for a few days. The last few days over there, I'd sort of trained myself with a glass of water next to the bed just to sort of watch for the ripples. Uh, so I came back heavily affected and sleep deprived. So I needed to sort of put myself first and try and get some rest, which was quite hard to actually detach myself from the situation, being so heavily involved uh, with some of the groups that were involved in sort of getting me through the process and evacuated to safety. So I'm also a member of Rotary. So I'm a member of the Brookvale Rotary Club over on the Northern Beaches. I sent them an email and that afternoon I had a response from them with a dedicated bank account for me to set up for this fundraising. So I just hit the ground running, uh, just talking to my friends, my family. I created a Facebook page. It's got a, about 600 followers on it at the moment who I'm communicating with on an updates basis. Since I've returned, I've been able to raise over $3,000, which I've donated back to teams on the ground. So they're teams that are directly involved in search and rescue. They're also involved in uh, mid to long-term uh, recovery strategies for the people of Lombok. So some of the people, some of the foundations and organisations that I'm trying to raise funds to support over there are um, developing agricultural sectors within nurseries, sprouting vegetables and things like that to give these village people as a commodity to be able to trade. Uh, one of the things that we sort of don't understand being so privileged over here is when there's such destruction in an area like that, the mums and dads and the families lose their dwellings and their structures but they also lose their employment because majority of the place is tourism operated. So, so many of these places sustain damage, which obviously had a knock-on effect to the mums and dads that have jobs there. So there was a massive displacement of people with nowhere to sleep, plus also no income and nothing to feed themselves. So to try and give back, uh, one of the first things I've, I've thought about was clean water. Everybody needs clean water. And if you don't have drinkable water, things can go south pretty quick. So... One of the first uh, lots of money that I've sent back over there is to purchase 100 water filters. They've been delivered into the villages around Lombok or throughout Lombok for the past sort of week, week and a half. Uh, the knock-on effect of that is that once these people have clean drinking water, it can stop things like diarrhoea spreading, things like that, which can really start to impact a population when everybody's becoming malnourished. Um, you know, this has happened a few weeks ago now and there's still people in desperate need of aid. Mm. Geez, I did not realise the extent of it, to be honest, Liam. 400,000 people, you said, displaced Correct. pretty much. Correct. And we will be mentioning your Facebook page and obviously um, any any links or anything, we can uh, add this to the show notes and stuff so we can get hopefully start raising more awareness and potentially get more donations and stuff. But um, you said they were affected. The people were um, displaced. And, I mean, like like you said, we don't hear about this stuff on the news, right? So... You know, it's such a serious situation when there's people who can't even feed their families or, you know, they can't work, they can't drink clean water. So these people, what are the main ways these people have been affected? Then you said, obviously, people have lost jobs because of the, uh, the wipeout of land and whatnot. So they, they, so, so how, how, what are we talking in terms of what are the, because there must have been houses wiped out and all sorts of things, right? We're talking about areas completely devastated. 
So it's not just the big quake that was the 7.0. There was a, a large quake on the 29th of July. Um, so I'm still obviously learning myself in regards to the exact definition of an earthquake versus an aftershock because the aftershocks can also be as um, intense and damaging and destructive as well. So the area of Lombok has been peppered with natural activity for the past couple of weeks. It does sit in the ring of fire, so I am aware that there is always activity within that belt. However, these people just haven't had a chance to recover. Uh, they've been slammed with quake after quake after aftershock, which has basically brought a lot of the areas just to piles of rubble. Uh, people are sleeping outside in rice fields because they're open-aired, so they won't have trees and other things falling on them in the event of aftershocks. There haven't been you know, access to tarpaulins and things like that to cover people. Uh, the biggest thing that I've learned personally is the trauma. You know, like I was so lucky, and I am so lucky to be back here and be able to talk to you and sort of raise this awareness. However, I sort of clocked maybe five, about six, maybe seven days of my body trembling nonstop, um, limited sleep, limited food, just things like that. Uh, so I can only imagine how these people are feeling over there because I've obviously been lucky enough to come home, see a doctor, you know, start to see a psychologist and things like that. So that's all been a part of my healing process. However, these people over there, they're still trying to make, you know, come to terms with exactly what's going on. So it is also another, it's a grounding point for me coming back and realising, you know, the epidemic that Australia's got going on with the drought and the farmers and, you know, all you need to do is turn on the news and watch and pretty much most segments are just doom and gloom of stuff that's going on around the world. So I understand that this is obviously pretty close to me being personally affected and experiencing it. However, it also brings light to the fact that unless people try and create awareness and try and help, sometimes, you know, people can get lost in the process. So if anybody can create any awareness for anything that's impacted them personally that can help another person, then I think that's a massive thing. And it's something that's pretty overlooked these days because everyone's sort of focused on themselves and how much money they can make and where their career is going and what sort of car they drive and status quo and... I can tell you when you're running for your life up a mountain and everyone's screaming tsunami warning and things like that, all that stuff gets put into perspective pretty quick. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, it's very deep. I mean, this is, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to definitely, it's definitely going to um, get, get the word out there now to people because, um, you know, we always, I always talk about gratitude and appreciation on this, on this podcast and, you know, I, I haven't experienced nothing like that. So, you know, I can't really, you know, fully relate to, to what you've, you've been through and, as you say, the people out there suffering now is, is horrific. But since you since you've been back, then have you um, have you now got uh, higher, much higher appreciation? And like, do you find that you feel much more grateful for what you do have? And I bet it's been a completely life changing experience, no doubt. Right? And I, I, obviously, it's going to be good and bad, but exactly right. It's been very grounding, uh, very humbling. Uh, mm. It's been a beautiful thing to see such beauty come from such travesty in that respects. I've really had to sort of hold on to the silver lining um, after sort of coming back and being able to put a few things in place to make a difference. Uh, it's the feeling that you get from it. It's something that I can't really explain. Um, sort of the ability to pay it forward and to be able to impact somebody else's life um, is a massive thing. So to, um, to come back and to sort of be as overwhelmed as I was and to sort of take the time to be able to settle uh, which was another process in itself because I'm not used to being easy on myself. I'm sort of it's a hard taskmaster in that respects. Just the things that have unfolded and the people that have come into my life 
and the people that have opened, you know, their hands and offered to help however they can. I've had, you know, I had people that I haven't heard for, from for over 10 years contact me that night during the earthquake with details of where they can possibly look at chartering a helicopter to come and get us off the island. You know, I've had other people just give me a call as soon as I've gotten back and just say, however I can help, let me help. Um, so I, I generally feel that as humans, we, we do have a feeling of wanting to help. It is within our nature. However, I think that today's day and age can sometimes get that a little bit distracted from its common cause. So to sort of declutter all of that and come back um, really sort of in tune with what makes a difference and what actually matters uh, to be able to give back a little bit and sort of be so grateful for where I am and the ability to be able to help it makes a massive difference. I'm actually in the middle of talking with some charities and organisations in Sydney and I'm looking to take over a few hundred water filters myself um, on an aid mission over the next couple of weeks. So the things that have unfolded since getting back, uh, the organisations and support through Rotary International is amazing. So they have warehouses. Uh, there's one at Castle Hill in Sydney called Donations in Kind. It's basically a massive airport hangar full of disaster relief supplies. So everything from medical supplies to blankets to anything that people can provide for free as a donation that then you can pledge to this organisation and they'll actually be able to provide aid. So it's just an example of how I've been going through my life and, you know, I'm aware of charities, I'm aware of people doing good. However, another thing that's improved my gratitude, like made me so much more grateful since returning is just seeing how many people there are out there just doing what they can with their head down, not looking for any sort of gratification from it, but they're just doing it to make a difference. And that in itself is such a beautiful thing. Absolutely. And uh, that's one good thing, I guess, this day and age now. This podcast, for example, is a platform to, you know, for us to raise more awareness. So, um, you know, hopefully now we can get more and more people, you know, just more aware of what's going on. Because, uh, you know, like you said, I watched it on the news. I saw the catastrophe. I spoke to Tom, who was actually there with you at the time, who brought this to light for me. But um, you just, unless, like, unless you experience something like this, right, you don't actually get impacted to the level where you're helping people, um, you know, as much as you can now and, and raising awareness. So you said you're working with some charities. Uh, what are the mm -hmm. names of these charities? And are they? And give us more information on that if you can, mate. Yeah, of course. So I'm basically I'm working through Rotary, raising all of these funds through our Rotary Club. The organisations that I'm supporting over in Indonesia at the moment are the Saka Foundation, S-A-K-A. I'm also talking with Indonesia Aid. And I'm also talking with the Rotary Club of Samanyak. Okay. So this is another great thing about the power of networking. Um, through being a, a member of Rotary in Sydney, I've been able to find the Rotary Club over there on the ground, um, have a chat with them. We can start discussing things, whether uh, things like aid supplies are of benefit or direct funding. So, yeah. Great stuff. Awesome. So, um, yeah, so... That's pretty much that pretty much covers what we need to cover. So we can we, we get a message out there now, and mm. as I say, get people tuned into to what's happened, and and hopefully tell someone. You know, if, even if we can reach you know a few people with this with this now, just to make a few more people aware of it, because I know I know people all over the world would have seen this on the news, right? So this is a catastrophe for six hundred people to die. But I mean, for example, you hear about the victims who died, but you don't like. I had no idea the scale of the amount of people that were affected, like four hundred thousand. I'd never had any idea, like I, I really did not assume it would be anywhere near that number, you know, so 
I'm, I'm quite blown away myself by it. So, yeah, I was going to say, so the most important thing now, where can we get you? So you mentioned the Facebook page. I'll, like I said, I'll add this into the uh, notes anyway, so people can click the link if they uh, want to to help out. But, yeah, so you've got a Facebook page, and, and how, where else can we find you now on a, on a digital level, mate? Uh, so a Facebook page, uh, that's basically my main channel for communication at the moment. I'm also on uh, Instagram, and I'm still using WhatsApp and Snapchat. However, they're more so they're not so uh, geared towards this this fundraising project. Okay, cool. So the main the main page then for the donations and stuff like that is the Facebook page, right? Yes, correct. It's the Facebook page. So as you said, you'll put through the footnotes. Uh, but just to let everybody know, if anyone's interested in looking it up, the Facebook page itself is called Direct Donations to Lombok Earthquake Disaster. Okay. That's great. That's great. Okay. So I'll put this in the show notes and I will probably add some sort of, I was going to say, if you've got any links that you could send me or I'll probably find some links anyway online just to show people, you know, exactly the, the, what happened essentially, like maybe a link for, just so people know exactly what it was and stuff as well. And, uh, yeah, that's great. So hopefully we can get, like I said, you know, uh, if we can, if we can reach, reach a few people, then great, you know, and, um, yeah, I, I really appreciate you sharing your story with us, mate, because, um, obviously it was, uh, you know, it, it's going to be a traumatic experience. So I really appreciate you sharing your story and, um, and it's, it's very, it's, it's great that you're actually using your experience, uh, to actually reach others and help others out there. So, um, you know, let's 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 try and uh, get the message out there. Um, was it was there anything? Else? I was going to say, if there's anything else, yeah, fire away, mate. No, I was just going to say you've just hit it on the head. Thanks very much for the opportunity to even be able to speak. Uh, the main thing that I've learned is from being so impacted by this to be able to come back and be so grateful. Uh, if I don't pay it back or try to pay something forward, I think that would be the biggest disservice. So even if this podcast can reach one person that can help make a difference to even just one other person, then this has all been worthwhile. So. Thanks very much. Thanks very much for your time, Liam. And um, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, it just goes to show, doesn't it? We, get, especially in these countries, you know, like Australia, Westernized countries, we've got we've got it so easy here, right? So, um, you know, we, we we need to be grateful, folks, for what we've got because, uh, you know, there's that that's that's a lot of people. That's really that's really blown me away. Actually, four hundred thousand people out there, you know, struggling with um, a lot of them without shelter and food. It's, uh, you know, in the day and age we live in, it's it's very moving. So. And it's only a few hours away from Sydney. That's the biggest part too. So Exactly. Yeah. Thanks very much for your time, Martin. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot, Liam. Really appreciate it, mate. Um, I'll speak to you soon, right? All right, cheers. Thanks, man.